Good morning and welcome to another bonus podcast. My name is Thalia. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Northview Community Church and I am joined by two friends. So Crystal and Jackie. First, Crystal, can you introduce yourself? Yeah, my name is Crystal Taves and I'm the pastor of women here at Northview Church. And I'm Jackie Graham and I'm a counselor at the Doing Family Right Care Center and I get to come and hang out with these ladies every so often. Yeah, and you're a member of Northview. And <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Okay, so we have a fun topic for us today. It is the month of February, and so February is often Relationship Month. And so we are going to bust some relationship <laughs> myths. But I need to give a little bit of a preamble first, because sometimes when we hear that topic, we want to tune out. We think, well, I'm already dating or married, so I don't need to learn anything here. Or maybe I'll never date or be married again, so I don't need to learn anything here. Or we have all kinds of different hang-ups. So what I would encourage us to do is to listen anyway, because I think we can be lifelong learners not only for ourselves, but for the people around us. We all have people that we influence. So you think if you work at a school or a bank or an office place, you have coffee breaks where you talk with people. Or if you're a, a mom or a dad on the side of a field, like a soccer field, and your kids are playing, you have people you talk with. Yeah. If you're a youth leader, you have people that you talk with. Even grandparents, you have lots of friends, you have grown kids, grandkids, you have mm-hmm. lots of people in your influence the older you get. So. Yeah. And I think, yeah, and I think some of the things that we're going to talk about, we're going to maybe talk about them in the context of dating or marriage, but they're also applicable to relationships in general, Mm -hmm. like friendships. So, yeah, so I have a few few teasers (laughs) just to kind of get you uh, warmed up as to the some of the kind of myths that we're going to be addressing. So, uh, some of these are a bit cringy. So, (laughs) first one is I'm only dating Jesus right now. It's a good, inter- when I don't want to date <laughs> yeah. you, that's what yeah, I say. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Can't argue with that. Yeah. <laughs> what he or she does not know won't hurt him or her. Hmm. Never go to bed angry. Or getting into a dating relationship will ruin your friendship. Hmm. Those are just teasers. We have many more to come. So pay attention. Crystal has to leave early, so we're going to do some of hers first, and then she'll say goodbye. Yep. Okay, Crystal, start with your first one. My first one is, once we get married, we will not have crushes on anyone else, and we will not struggle with sexual temptation. Ah. This is something that people, I think, commonly think. Mm-hmm. They think even if they've had issues with pornography or something before marriage, as soon as they get married, married that'll, go that'll go away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we want to say... Um, That is not the case. Um, In the Bible, we have examples of it not being the case. We have examples of people like King David who fell into sexual sin after being married. Um, We have two commandments that deal with this. So obviously it is an issue when you look at the Ten Commandments Mm -hmm. in Exodus 20, you have do not commit adultery Mm -hmm. and you have do not covet your neighbor's wife. So obviously this is something that has been an issue since the beginning of time. And we need to recognize that. We need to recognize when we become Christians, we're not taken out of the world. No. When we Mm -hmm. get married, we're not taken out of the world. No. We still have sinful situations that we have to walk through and deal with in relationships. And we're still, we're not perfect ourselves yet. No, we're still people. Yeah, Yeah. we don't stop being human. No. No. So we need to recognize this. Um, I know when one of my friends was dating somebody years ago, uh, they said, well, I think I can make myself love this person. And I thought, well, oh. that's not really great enough because you're always going to have other people that you're going to be attracted to. Yeah. And if you mm-hmm. force yourself to love somebody as a marriage relationship, yeah. that's going to come back and bite you because you're going to have, yeah, it's going to be an issue that's going to come up over yeah. and over again regardless. You need to know that the person that you've married, you are actually mm-hmm. physically, sexually attracted to. Yeah. In my pre-married classes and then in the first year of their marriage, there's quite a few couples that are shocked 
when they're in this newly like love married relationship and all of a sudden they realize they're attracted to someone else mm. and they think oh no maybe I married the wrong person yeah so they are surprised when this comes up and I'm like no no don't be surprised you'll have this many more times over your mm-hmm. life possibly yeah so this is normal this mm-hmm. is normal and it's not necessarily sinful in the nope. sense that we can get tempt- temptations Jesus was tempted but he didn't sin so mm-hmm. thoughts will fly into our mind we'll have hormonal whatever yeah. attractions to somebody it's what you do with that afterwards exactly. yeah. that's the yeah. issue right are you going to mull on it mm-hmm. dwell on it act on it fantasize, fantasize on about it, it. Yeah. yeah there was one um person i heard talk about this once and he talked about the moment of the maybe um. which is an interesting phrase to me the moment you start entertaining oh maybe what would that be like um, yeah, yeah that's kind of where you kind of cross that line between you know something being just a temptation and yeah. something being actually something that you're dwelling on yeah even at that point, there's obviously still time to catch yourself, to repent, yeah. uh, to work through it. But um, we need to be aware that this is something that's going to happen and we need to protect our marriage, mm-hmm. um, both like defensively in yes. terms of like protecting our relationship, not allowing ourselves to get into close relationships with mm-hmm. people of the opposite gender, you know, at work or on Facebook or all these different things. And then also protecting our marriage proactively, like investing in our mm-hmm. spouse, mm-hmm. making yeah. sure that we're continuing to express our needs and our, yeah, our frustrations with that person so that we're building this level of intimacy and trust. And, you know, that all builds into the kind of whole sexual attraction pieces yeah. when we can trust somebody, right? Yeah. When we mm-hmm. have this relationship of intimacy and, and of trust together. So... I I like that you said um, that it's both proactive and defensively, because sometimes I think we think, well, I trust my partner that, you know, I would never do anything. They would never do anything. We wouldn't get ourselves into that situation. And so then they don't actually act defensively. They don't make sure that they are not spending excessive amounts of time with someone of the opposite sex. Mm -hmm. Right. And then, um, you know, I work with that with our premarital couples who come into the center as well, because um, the idea of putting boundaries in your relationship to make sure that that doesn't happen. Yeah. I'd also add in the whole area of like TV, Netflix, movies, Yeah. because sometimes we think, okay, I don't actually have a crush on someone actual, like a living person in my life, but we allow ourselves to be having crushes and fantasizing mm. about somebody that's on a TV show or a movie. And I, that's wrong too. Well, because it, it allows us to kind of dwell on the negatives that we don't that our spouse doesn't mm-hmm. have, yeah. right? And then that just pops you up to be, just makes you ripe kind of for the picking in the mm-hmm. sense yeah. that you're always dwelling on, oh, my spouse doesn't do this for me or doesn't yeah. meet mm-hmm. this need or whatever. Yeah. And this other person, there might be someone else out there that does. Right. So it feeds into that. Yeah. Now, also, when we talk about this, we probably should raise the issue of same-sex attraction. Mm-hmm. We have people in our churches that struggle with this, and they want to honor God and God's will for sex and for marriage. So this is also something that someone who struggles with same-sex attraction should consider. What kinds mm-hmm. of... want to have intimate, great friendships, but not um, be... Um, crossing those boundaries that dishonor God. Yep. So we want to mm-hmm. have good, close friendships. But if you want to honor God's design for sex and marriage, we want to be careful about where are you fantasizing? Where mm-hmm. are you mulling in your head? What are you doing with your actions? No different for anybody else. Yeah. 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 So I think the awareness piece is one of the huge things. Mm-hmm. When we were working through First Corinthians with our Bible study, like First um, Corinthians 10 talks about idol worship. But the big, big idea is there is if you think you're standing firm, yeah. be careful. Watch mm-hmm. out that you don't fall. Mm-hmm. And often if we're in this arrogant feeling like, OK, now I'm married. Now I'll be fine. Now mm-hmm. I'm standing yeah. firm. That's when yeah. things can kind of hit us broadside. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one. Aware. So, yeah, that would be my attempt to bust that myth. OK, <laughs> Jackie, let's move to the next myth. What's yours? 
Um, if you're not happy in your marriage, it must mean you married the wrong person. Ah, right? yes. <laughs> and I think this is really pre- prevalent in yeah. culture today, right? Um, we, I, I actually even heard of a, a Hollywood couple who said they changed their vows to as long as we both um, shall love, yeah. uh, oh, not yeah. as long as we both shall live, yeah. right? And I think we elevate the idea of happiness and we deserve to be happy and that's our primary goal. And I think it's also tied in with um, the soulmate, totally. soulmate idea. Yeah. And we think um, we need to find the soulmate yeah. for us. And if we find that soulmate, marriage will be easy, yeah. right? It'll be fun and relaxing and they won't hurt us, you know, and it, both of those just aren't true. Um, you know, we when we get married, we... A sinful person marries another sinful person. <laughs> yeah. And then we try to live together and make huge decisions together. Um, major life changes, you know, moving, having children, uh, whatnot. And um, and those things produce sometimes conflict or tension mm-hmm. or um, disappointments. And I think a lot of it has to do, too, with uh, our expectations, Um like I look at my daughter and she loves being a princess. And then when you look at the princess <laughs> stories, they're all about, I met my Prince Charming and life just turned out really nice. Happily and he ever was after. Happily ever after. They don't finish the movie. They just no. stop it. And they lived <laughs> at happily the, ever at after, the wedding. right? Yeah. 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 And, um, and I think we expect that and we want that. And, um, and when we go in with those expectations, then we're even more disappointed when things don't go that way. And, um, yeah. So I think uh, when we look at the Bible, too, um, God doesn't talk about a soulmate for no. us. Um, and a lot of the marriages, especially in the Old Testament, were all arranged. So it's not like you're marrying someone because they're amazing for you or your soulmate. It, it was chosen and, and it was a commitment that you made. And it was part of yeah providing for each other and protecting mm-hmm. pe- people and yeah. relationships, right? Yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of um, God talks a lot about what marriage is supposed to be like. Like, how are we supposed to act with one another? And we've heard the Ephesians 5, um, where, you know, husbands are supposed to love their wives as Christ loved the church, and um, wives are supposed to submit to their husbands. And I think he put in those things because we don't always do that well, right? <laughs> no. It's not always we easy. We correction not, and instruction. Right? And, yeah. um, and I think marriage is a journey, and it's it's not always easy, but that doesn't make it bad or wrong or that the person that you married is the wrong person is the wrong person well, even think of friendships you think of close friendships that you have mm-hmm. we don't just ditch our friends because we're going <laughs> through a time when maybe we aren't having the most fun or maybe it's not so easy or maybe we've had a little bit of a glitch we don't just abandon our friends Mm-mm. we know that in friendships it's going to come out the other side and we're going to be okay again and we're going to mm-hmm. have a great time we're going to have some great memories again and so it almost makes it better sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So just like friendships ebb and flow, marriages have that ebb and flow mm-hmm. where you're not always totally happy every moment. Mm-hmm. Just even on our own selves, we're not happy. Yeah. You just have a bad, gloomy day around here and it's yeah. everyone's like, <laughs> but that's yeah. really so many times for our better. Right. Like I know, like I've had frustrations in our own marriage. Right. But I, when I look back, I think, oh, I'm. I'm a better person now in the sense mm-hmm. that like Bob's rubbed off some of my rough edges and I've rubbed off some of his iron. and like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's been really frustrating and hard, but that's expanded my view of this mm-hmm. or changed my opinion here. And I needed that because if I was left to myself, I would be much more narrow or mm-hmm. much more set in my ways mm-hmm. or all these things. Right. Yeah. So even though it's hard, it's also good. Yeah. But I think if you take a step back and, and we look at, okay, what is God's 
goal for us, right? He's, he's seeking to sanctify us, to change us, to redeem us, right? And marriage is part of that. Like there's an awesome book called Sacred Marriage by Gary yeah, Thomas. I was thinking yeah. that when you said and that, yeah. His subtitle is, what if uh, God made marriage to make us holy, not to make us happy? Yeah. Not that God doesn't want us to be happy in no. our marriage. And, you know, marriage can be an incredible blessing. Um, but it also, it's part of God's refining, mm. redeeming work, in us. Totally. And like you said, like he rubbed off, he's rubbing off your sharp edges. Like getting married to Trev, it was like I had a mirror put in front of my face. And I, before I got married, I thought, you know, I'm a pretty nice person, you know, right? <laughs> like, and you know, I, you know, I have my moments, but it's, they're not that bad. And then you live with someone and then you're like, I am sometimes really not a nice person, you know, or I, that was really, really, selfish. really not like, cool that oh, I did that. Irritable. Right. And, like yeah, I reacted no. really badly. Totally. And then um, you have kids and you realize oh, that you're even worse of a person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and, but I think that's, that's a beautiful thing about marriage because I'm, I'm able to look at myself in a different way and he, he can sometimes point things out in me that need to grow. That doesn't necessarily always make me happy. No, no. Right. But it's a good thing because it's helping change me and redeem me more, hopefully to be like Christ. And it's a journey that you do together. Mm-hmm. Okay, Crystal, before you leave us, let's do yours. Your next one. Oh, my second one. Mm-hmm. Okay. My second one was, <laughs> if we are Christians, it'll be easy to pray together and read the Bible together. So mm-hmm. this is a hope that lots oh, of people have. Yeah. Well, people that are really keen, yes. for sure, about reading the Bible and mm-hmm. praying. And they just hope that this will be a natural thing for or them to do. Or people that came from a home that they weren't Christians or didn't do this, and they are hoping that now in their new marriage, everything right. will go just really well, and we will be a couple that prays, the, prays and reads the Bible together. We're going to be not like my parents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Um, this can be a myth that can really set you up for disappointment. Yeah. Because like everything in your relationship, um, things take time to develop. A spiritual relationship with, with each other takes time to develop. Yeah. And everybody comes into marriage with different background. Like you said, like mm-hmm. some might have had no experience with this. Some might have had a really bad experience with family devotions that was just so boring and dry that they just can't. Mm. But every time they open up yeah. the Bible, they Please have this don't. horrible, like, <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. want to go back there and have these boring, dry devotions, right? Yeah. And so there's all this baggage that people bring yeah. into a relationship. And some people come from families where their parents really were connected by reading mm-hmm. the Bible and doing prayer together. And they want that in their new marriage. And they want it sometimes so bad that they a little bit sort of force Push. that on mm-hmm. their spouse. Yeah, It can be not a good dynamic. No. So I think what I'd say to that is, if you are the spouse in the relationship that's keen, to just be patient, to yeah. pray for that to happen. If you're a wife, um, like I think of the passage in First Peter 3, where it talks about uh, 3, 1 to 2, it talks about wives winning their husbands without a word by their respectful and pure conduct. Yeah. This mm-hmm. idea of like walk alongside your husband, encourage mm-hmm. them, be supportive, mm-hmm. show by your own actions that you are loving God by yeah. the way you interact with them. And that's great. If you're a husband and you're wishing that your wife would join you, I think, again, you pointed to the Ephesians 5 passage, Mm -hmm. Ephesians 5, like 25 to 33, I think is kind of specifically towards husbands. And it talks about loving people, loving like your wife, like Christ loved the church. And you think of Christ's patience towards us, his self-sacrificial acts towards us, his kind of gentle teaching. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not a um, husband's kind of being the spiritual leader of the house. It's not a call to like smother your wife or like force her into submission in terms Mm -hmm. of like even reading the scriptures. We had a situation where one husband wanted to lead his wife well. And so he like made her do like devotional reports that she would hand into him. Like, and that was her way, his way of being a spiritual leader. And I'm like, that just freaked me out. Like, I just felt like that is just not 
the spirit of this. Mm-hmm. I think right? we need to be a little bit like Tim and Kathy Keller. Tim Keller is a well-known pastor and uh, teacher and author and all those kinds of things. And I love hearing their testimony. You can watch yeah. it on video or you can read it online about how for many years they never prayed together. They're very different in personality mm-hmm. and they found it just simply aggravating. Just got, the, they got annoyed with each <laughs> I know. other as they prayed. Yeah, But after a while they realized that this was really important. And so what they decided to do is, and then this is well into their marriage, yeah. they decided that they would pray together for two minutes every mm-hmm. night. Two minutes. Most people can handle two minutes if you're both mm-hmm. believers. Yeah. And so they did that. And that's what they do. They don't pray mm-hmm. for half an hour together. They pray for two minutes together. They also do, of course, their own individual mm-hmm. devotions and prayer and all that kind of thing. But I was so encouraged by <laughs> <Yeah>. that, thinking, <laughs> okay, we don't have to start with this, you know, two hours yeah. scripture reading and prayer, and that makes us a holy couple. No, <laughs> you can get start the piano small. out. <laughs> you yeah. can sing some hymns together. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> all good. But yeah. yeah. I think it's uh, important, too, to think about that there are different seasons in our lives, in our marriage. Um, Like, there are times when you have more time to maybe do this type of thing, and then there are seasons when it has to shift. And like you said, that we can each do things individually, and we can do things together. But I think there has to be grace in that, um, where it's like, okay... Maybe we really enjoyed praying or reading the Bible and praying together and we had a lot of time and then we had kids and now it's like we don't have as much time to do that together. We still do it separately. But like you said, like yeah. the idea of even if it's two minutes where it's, you're making a conscious effort to come together and say, yeah, we're here as a team spiritually and we want to invest in one another. But I, I don't know, shifting your expectations sometimes. Well, Grace, yeah. in like you said about shift workers and health mm-hmm. issues and people who travel for their work, but there's still ways you can come together for mm-hmm. like a couple of minutes yep. and read half a chapter in the Psalms or pray together or even just tell each other, I've been praying for you today. Yeah. yeah. Like maybe you can't do that together. Or ask what you can pray for. for yeah. Them mm-hmm. today. yeah. Or what is God teaching you right now? Right. Like in your own. Yeah. When you've been reading your Bible or whatever, like what's been interesting to you? Yeah. If this is an issue for you and you're listening, don't like, please realize that you're not alone. There's Mm -hmm. lots of um, people within our church that feel this kind of frustration and they're Mm -hmm. trying to figure out how, like wives, how to, how to work well with their husbands who aren't maybe as keen to study and husbands same, same way. So this Mm -hmm. is not just you. (laughs) This is lots of people. So, Mm -hmm. and if your spouse is not a believer yet, please keep praying for them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We have had recently some. Uh, spouses, well, one in particular, uh, a yeah. gentleman, who became a Christian. Yes, yeah, yeah. so he became yeah. a Christian in his sixties, and in their whole married life so far, he has not been a believer. But hmm. just in the last six months, did become. Wow, and his wife crazy. is incredibly overjoyed. She's I'm been coming kidding. to church by herself and for being thirty-three part of, years. Yeah, I think they've been married. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Really? Yeah. And it's just so hopeful that we are just not done until mm-hmm. we're done. Yeah. So yeah. that last breath. And so there's always hope. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Okay, I'm gonna take out, take leave you on your own. <laughs> okay, see you later. Yeah. Have a good day. Okay, so my next myth is what he or she doesn't know doesn't hurt him or her. Hmm. Now that's a very cultural yep. myth, mm-hmm. right? We think of what stays in Vegas or what happens in <laughs> yeah, Vegas exactly. stays in Vegas. Yeah, that kind of thing. So <clears throat> this is speaking, I think, to the part of the Bible that talks about being one flesh. It's in Genesis two, and then again in the New Testament, Matthew nineteen and Ephesians five. You can hear the door closing. <laughs> That's okay. So it talks about when we get married, we are one flesh. Mm-hmm. So really, God is telling us that what you do does impact the other person Completely. because you are one. So if one spouse does not take care of themselves physically, mm. like maybe they have diabetes or they have a health challenge and they don't take their medication or do those kinds of things that care for their body, it's going to impact. 
their marriage because they maybe can't do the activities mm. that they would like mm-hmm. to do as a couple or it will impact their family life. Or if one spouse spends money without considering the other spouse, mm-hmm. does some secretive things or like that, it can really impact the finances that jeopardize the family. Mm-hmm. So really, we need to be aware that everything we do in our married relationships affects the other person, whether you can see that right now mm-hmm. or not. It may only um, be visible a few years down the road. So please consider what are you currently doing in your marriage that could be causing difficulty mm-hmm. either now or down the road. On the flip side, of course, what you're doing positively can benefit your marriage. Right. Yeah. So even if your spouse is not a Christian, the fact that you're praying for them, the fact that you keep going to church, that can benefit mm-hmm. your relationship. If you pray for them um, even like regularly during your day, if you take care of your body, if you take care of your mind, if mm-hmm. you find good hobbies, these can really impact in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Okay, Jackie, you have anything to add? Um, I think I think this comes up uh, when I'm doing counseling sometimes too, where it's the sense of uh, I did something that wasn't okay or I, you know, there's addiction to pornography or something like that. And they think, well, if I'm not telling them, right. then it's not going to have an impact yeah, on them. Yeah, good point. But inevitably it does. Even if they don't know it, um, it affects how you are with them emotionally. It ha- yeah. affects how you are with them physically. Um, and eventually it comes out. Yeah. At some point, you know... It's very hard to keep secrets yeah. about things. And then you're just absolutely demolishing the trust that you have in your relationship. And true. when you wreck trust, it takes so long to rebuild. And um, I think being honest in your relationship, even when you're having struggles, like I know I said the idea of pornography before, and I think a lot of people, if they're struggling with that, um, they think, oh, I don't want to tell my spouse because they're going to yeah. absolutely freak out. And I don't know what to do about that. Yeah. Um, so I'm just not going to say anything. Um but I think good marriages have to do with, um, you know, when I'm struggling with something or if I have a weakness in something, you know, we do that. We deal with that together. Yeah. Like this is something we we're are a team. team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, completely. And um, would it hurt me to find that mm-hmm. out? Yes. You know, but that's something that we would then wrestle through together. Yeah. And, and you know, like even with affairs and stuff, like I've seen couples who they there has been an affair, uh, terrible, obviously, yeah. and and it takes a long time to rebuild the trust. But I've seen marriages be stronger through going through that. Yes. Um, and I think, yeah, I think it, it's it's important to be honest with one another, gently sometimes, yeah. obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there needs to be an openness. Yeah, I'd say confide in each other, your fears, your worries. Mm-hmm. Um. And be careful of those sins that are creeping in. Like if you're mulling through, if you're fantasizing about someone else in your life or you're starting to grow an emotional affair, mm-hmm. that's going to really hurt your marriage. Mm-hmm. So stop it now. Chop it off. Yeah. Get some help from someone that you trust. Yeah. It would. And there's something about saying it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like there's something that it break. The secrecy is where it becomes strong. Yes. And and when you break that and you actually talk about it, it, it loses the power that it has Yeah. in a lot of ways. And, and then you can seek help yeah. together. And you have to know that at Northview, we have people struggling with all of these mm-hmm. things. People look like they have it together when oh, you walk yes. into church, of course. <laughs> yep. But they don't want to share all their muck to no. everyone. They shouldn't. You just should share it to God, first of all. Mm-hmm. Everything that you're going through, you should share openly and honestly to God. And then to your spouse and maybe a trusted friend mm-hmm. or two. But or a counselor. Or, or a, a counselor, pastor. yeah. Yep. Pastor, someone that you trust. <clears throat> maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's an older sister or brother or something like that. But someone that you can start to wrestle through mm-hmm. these things with. Like, don't don't keep these to yourself. No. 
Okay. Jackie. Yes. Okay. Mine is um, sex will always be amazing and exciting. Um, And I picked this one because I think it's it's very um, this is a popular idea. Yeah. And I have fun talking about sex with clients. I I really enjoy it. My husband always laughs at how often I'm a sex therapist here at Northview. But sex is something that God designed for marriages. And so it should be something that we address in the church regularly because it's part of what God designed. He made it clear in the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. And he did make it to be incredible yes like it's supposed to be yes within a married relationship husband right. and wife right but it doesn't always start there because it's a skill yeah no it, it it can take some time and practice yeah um and i think the problem is is we look at movies and we think well look at that it's just like oh, so easy easy there's there's no cleanup no right there's no um issues with position no there's no um it just flows. Everybody always wants it. You're just it. always liking it, yeah. right? And the clothes are just flying off. Yeah, and you're never not into it. <laughs> no. <laughs> and um, and so we think it should be like that mm-hmm. in our marriage. And if it's not, there's something wrong. Absolutely. And that's just simply not the case. No. Um, like I, we were talking earlier before we started about um, even talking with premarital couples or when you first get married and, and we think, well, God made it and... It looks great on TV, yeah, and, and I've waited it should this be, long. I, oh, totally! I've been and waiting forever, forever, and, and it's so going to be so can, amazing, right? And we're going to have it like six times the first night, yeah, right, and, and then six times every day for yeah. the next few years. <laughs> I know. Um, not that if you have that goal, that's not a problem. You can totally go for that. Um, but sometimes it can be even painful at yeah. the beginning, right? Yeah. And um, and we don't talk about that, and that's not an abnormal thing to have happen. No, and it can be uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and it can be awkward, super awkward, yeah. Especially for women, <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, it's a little harder to figure it out as a woman compared to a man, but it can really set people up for discouragement mm-hmm. and feeling like maybe again they married the wrong person, yeah. and it's secretive; they don't know who to talk to, mm-hmm. and so well, it's embarrassing I, it's because embarrassing. we think this should be working really easily. This I know. should be great. That's what happens in the movies. Why isn't yeah. it for me? Well, and I even had I had friends who. Um, well, before I got married, I guess it went really easily and mm-hmm. good for them. And they were telling me how many times they had sex the first night and how great it was at the beginning. And that was just not my experience. Like no. it was challenging for us at the beginning. Yeah. And um, but it's something that you work at. And yeah. it honestly, it gets better. Like, it does. It and, does. Because if you build into your relationship mm-hmm. and you build towards a great marriage with trust and sharing things, that adds to the mm-hmm. sex. Yeah. It, it adds to that amazing experience. Yeah. Because it's not just a physical act. It's actually no. an emotional act as well. Actually, you're, when I talk with premarital couples or couples in general, like your brain is your biggest sex organ. Yeah. Where you're thinking, how, like what you're thinking about. Yes. Um, what mood you're in, mm-hmm. right? Like we joke that guys are always in the mood, right? Yeah. You're like, ready? Yep. Okay, I'm ready. Women aren't always like that. No. And so there's major sexual differences between yep. a husband and a wife, how desire works. Um, it takes longer for a woman often to get into the mood. Um, and, and then there's also seasons where you have lots of great sex. Like I, I talked with lots of, especially young moms where it's like when you first get married, once you figured out all the, you Mm -hmm. know, way it works, the skill, um, yep. Then, uh, then you're really enjoying it and you have lots of time for it and it's really fun. And, and, and then when you start having kids, it gets a little bit harder because you're tired and yeah. you don't have as much time. And, and shift workers deal with that, too, yep. or if people are away on a, Completely. Know, business trips. And um, and so I, th- I think there's there's seasons in your relationship with that. And and it's something that you you learn as you go. And you um, like you said, you practice. There's a certain yeah. amount of skill. And I think there's a certain amount that where you need to be able to laugh at yourself. Totally. Right. Like totally. sometimes you're like, OK, let's totally try this. Totally. This is going to be awesome. And they're like, and that was work. that was not awesome. That no. was just 
weird and yeah. I felt awkward the whole time, right? Often when I talk with couples, I talk about the fact that there's casserole sex and gourmet sex. <laughs> because there's lots of times where sex is just, it's good, <clears throat> but it's not amazing. It's not like, mm-hmm. you know, a three-hour experience with, nope. you know, all kinds of whoosh, nothing. Yep. It's just like a casserole. Casseroles yep. are good. We need them every day. We have to feed our bodies. It's important. Yep. But they're nothing stunning. And then you, there are times when you need to have, schedule maybe, some gourmet sex, mm. where you add some other elements mm-hmm. in. Maybe you have a shower. Maybe you add some candles. music, some candles, some um, special lingerie. I don't know. Whatever you mm-hmm. think of as gourmet sex, you'll know. That should be part of your repertoire, but that won't be realistic mm-hmm. every day mm-hmm. because life happens and we need to do other things with our time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and allowing for those. Yeah. And I think a lot of it has to do with the emotional intimacy that you grow. Like yeah. the culturally we see, we think or are told that sex uh, with someone you meet, it's super hot and that's yeah. like the best kind of sex. Whereas um, statistically, couples who have been married for a long time report the highest sexual satisfaction. And a lot of that has yeah. to do with the fact that they know each other. They've grown together. They've, yes. they've gone through challenges together. They've, they, um, they know each other physically. They know each other emotionally. They trust one another. Yeah. And so, cause sex is all about vulnerability, yeah. right? And, um, and so you feel you're more comfortable being vulnerable with one mm-hmm. another. And, and I can honestly say like sex for us gets better every single year. Yeah. And, and a lot of that has to do with putting the time into your relationship as well. Yes. Outside of the bedroom or wherever you decide to do it. Yeah. Um, where you're building into your relationships that yeah. you're, you know, because sex is kind of a barometer to yeah. of your relationship. If you're having a lot of conflict or if you're not having time together, sex isn't so great. Yeah. And I talk to a lot of young adults <clears throat> that have this perception that when you are married, you have lots of sex, like 24 hours a day. And I try to tell them <laughs> that sex is important and God designed mm-hmm. it, but it's not possible 24 hours a day for days on end. No. Like, really, physically, it's, it's not. It is not physically possible. So yeah. really what you need to grow is your friendship. Mm-hmm. Because sex is important, but it's only a small part of your relationship. Mm-hmm. Your friendship is 24-7 mm-hmm. going forward. So build your team. Build mm-hmm. your friendship. Build your um, connection, in emotional connection, physical connection. But know that sex is not 24 hours a day forever going forward. And I think a couple things like what you were just saying, Um, Dr. Kevin Lehman, (coughs) sorry, um, he talks about sex starts in the kitchen. Mm. That's not necessarily meaning that you're having sex in the kitchen. It could mean, but it's that sense of it's doing life together. Yeah, that's those are like the preamble to what you get to experience later. Yeah. Um, The other part that's important to know is there is always a partner who wants to have sex more than the other partner always it doesn't matter what relationship you're in you might be the high desire in one partner in one relationship and if you were to leave that relationship and enter another one you could be the low desire yes so there's it's not necessarily a gender thing no we often would say well men want sex more than women but that's not always not always the case don't take it as a gender thing it's a more of a personality or Mm -hmm. a wiring kind of thing totally and i think that's why god talks so much about sex and we're supposed to be mutually submissive to one another and that our bodies are not our own. And, mm-hmm. and and there's a commitment when we get married that we're going to engage in sex regularly with our partner. Um, but then there's also the, you know, recognition that there's, um, that we need to think about our partner, like yeah. where they're at and uh, consider their needs as we, you know, think about our sex life and vice versa. Yeah. Okay. Let's do a few of the uh, cringy ones that I listed okay. at the beginning. So... <laughs> I'm only dating Jesus right now. Mm. I actually hear this a fair bit from young adults. Really? Yeah. 
it's kind of this impression that a lot of people who are in the church, maybe have grown up in the church or desire a close relationship with God, will say, well, I need to be close with God first before I can Mm. date someone. Mm. And I just want to laugh because Mm -hmm. I'm significantly middle-aged and I'm (laughs) not there yet. I have times of closeness and times Mm -hmm. where it's not so close. This is a work in process. Mm-hmm. It's So I would say you want to keep growing your relationship with Jesus, mm-hmm. absolutely, but keep growing your relationship with other people. Mm-hmm. And that may result in a dating relationship, but then you can still grow individually and grow with the person you're with. Mm-hmm. Don't use it as a deflection. Like Which some, I think it usually is. Yeah, it's usually like, like okay, I'm not attracted to I'm you. I'm not attracted to you or I've been hurt and mm-hmm. so I don't want to yep. enter a new relationship. So I'll just say I'm dating Jesus right now. Yeah. I've heard Jesus is my boyfriend. And, I'm yeah, like, and then ah, suddenly it no. changes next week. Yeah. When you broke up. No, yeah. Just and it's like, well, so are you not growing your <laughs> yeah, relationship exactly. with Jesus? So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a, that's a funny one. That's a funny one. Okay. Getting into a dating relationship will <clears throat> ruin your friendship. Mm. That's a terrible lie. It is a terrible lie. Yeah. Because I I don't know when I was when I was single, my hope was I wanted to marry my best friend. Yes, like the person that I wanted to hang out with all the time. Yes, I wanted that to be the person that I ended up with. Absolutely, I'm thinking I have a quote here if I can find it um, about that one. There's a great website called True Love Dates by Deborah Folletta. So she has a quote here: "You're supposed to marry your best friend, someone you connect with deeply on an emotional, spiritual, social, and physical level. A friend who you can laugh with." Talk till 4 a.m. and cry Mm. with, but also have the freedom to do absolutely nothing with. If you have that with someone of the opposite sex, maybe the friendship is the first Mm. step of something Mm -hmm. bigger. That's the best case scenario. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there's that one. Anything you want to add to that one? Well, you know, earlier when Crystal was talking about one of those initial myths, um, the idea that you're never going to have a crush, she talked about the, the importance of physical attraction, sexual attraction, which is important completely. Um, but like we talked about just recently is that a lot of our relationship when you're married isn't just the sex part. It's the we're doing life together. Yeah. We're making decisions together. We're spending time together. We're yeah. raising kids together. We're, mm-hmm. you know, those are all friendship based, hopefully, because yeah. you don't want to just be roommates. You don't want to just be um, business partners. No. And there are moments that there are like that. There, yes, are, there, there have are. been weeks and months that Mark and I have been in that. He's like, we're not just roommates. I'm like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> just feels like that right now. It does feel like this right now. Tax seasons can sometimes be challenging for us. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's like when I think about it, if I if I have the option of someone I want to hang out with, like and I have some incredible girlfriends that I absolutely love and I love spending time with them. Um, but if I'm going to have the choice and Trev's available, like I love hanging out with him. Mm-hmm. Like we love hiking together or just talking together. Like I think I'm the only person he ever stayed up with literally till like three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> He's an early bird. He goes to yeah. bed as early as he possibly can. But when we were dating, he stayed up till like two in the morning talking with me. Nice. And I thought that was normal for him then. Now I realize it's totally not. <laughs> um, but I think that that says something like he, I remember um, his guy friends and he hangs out with his guy friends too, obviously. But there are some guys who feel like I have to be out with my guy friends. Yeah regularly all the time or I'm not going to be okay yeah and one of the things he said to me one time is he's like he's like I did that before then I got married and I have you like you're the one I want to hang out with that's cool love like right yeah um but yeah if you can find a guy that you love hanging out with and talk with Mm -hmm. or a girl yes sorry that's my perspective Opposite. No, so we do have uh, some yeah, men listeners. Some men, so okay. To, yeah. So if you find a girl that you love hanging out with and enjoy time with them, like that is, that's the best foundation that you can have for Absolutely. a marriage. Okay, let's bust this myth. This is one I do in pre-marriage all the time. Okay. Never go to bed angry. Mm. 
So the actual, it's a little bit hard because this one is based on scripture. Mm -hmm. So this is from Ephesians 4, and it says, um, verse 26, In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Mm -hmm. So this is a hard one because Mm -hmm. couples will come to me and say, we have to solve it before Mm -hmm. we go to sleep. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, that's not really what it's talking about here. Because literally in BC, you'd have to solve everything by five o'clock at this time or of earlier. year. Or earlier. <laughs> and we know that some issues <clears throat> takes days, weeks, mm-hmm. months to work through. Yep. So what this is talking about is more of a, let's solve things quickly, but let's at least at night call a truce mm-hmm. and say, we still love each other. We're still committed to each other, but we know that this issue needs some mm-hmm. more work. So let's get some sleep. Yeah. Because whenever is a good decision made at one or two in the morning? Hardly ever. Ever. No. So don't beat each other into submission saying, we have to solve this. (laughs) Don't go to sleep. (laughs) Yeah, don't go to sleep. Actually, sometimes you do just need sleep. Yeah. Mark and I have had disagreements where the next morning we wake up and go, oh, well, that's really not a big deal. We can just solve it like this. Mm -hmm. Because the sleep actually solved the problem. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, despite the counseling that I do, and I tell couples, please don't start a a deep conversation or a challenging conversation past like seven, eight o'clock, because the more tired you get, your brain stops working. You know, you're not going to come up with your emotions are going to get flooded. You're not going to be able to actually talk about it. No. So I know all these things. But I'm terrible at it. I, you know, when we were first married, I I was the one that I was like, we need to talk about this. We can't, I can't go to sleep. Right. Like, I'm so upset. I, we need to talk about this right now. Yeah. And he's like, I'm exhausted. Yeah. I have to go to bed. And I'm like, you need to stay awake with me. And I remember he, he would go to sleep and he'd be snoring and I would just be sitting there. Like, Stewing just ticked, and, right? Like thinking yeah. about all those things. And I'm like, and then I would, I would go to sleep and wake up in the morning. And then I'm like, oh, why was I so worked up about that? Yeah. And I got to the point later in our marriage where we would start into something and he's like, it's time for us to go to bed now. And I'm like, no, it's not. And he said, oh yeah, you'll be fine in the morning. You'll feel totally <laughs> fine. And I'm like, oh, this is a serious issue. And not to negate the seriousness yeah. of things to talk about, but it's true. Sleep makes yeah. a huge difference. And But I think, I think the challenge that some people feel is that, okay, if we don't talk about it now, when are we going to talk yes. about it? And I yes. think... There, it's, there's nothing wrong with saying, okay, we need a timeout. Yeah. Neither of us are in the place right now where we can talk no. about this well. So can we take a timeout and then we'll commit tomorrow at six o'clock after we've eaten dinner. Yeah. Please eat dinner first. Always you know, eat dinner first. Always eat dinner first. And be fed and yeah. watered and all that kind yeah. of thing. Don't attack your spouse as they walk no. in from work. Not a good time. No. And also not first thing in the morning usually. No. Unless you're both really morning people. Yeah. Be careful about the timing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And then say, okay, we are going to talk about this. We're going to set aside time. Or if if it doesn't work, like I'd say, try to do it within 24 hours. Yeah. Um, If that absolutely does not work for some reason, then then plan a time where you're Mm -hmm. going to and where you can be alone and actually talk about it. Um, But yeah, I think it's the the heart of what that scripture passage is talking about is that we don't keep holding on to our anger. We don't keep replaying it in our mind over and over and allow our anger to just keep building towards that person. We say, okay, we're okay. We love you. At the base of this, we're still a team. Even though I'm frustrated about something, you know, that doesn't change us. No. And ideally what you want to do is instead of putting the problem between you, where now you're looking at each other and while you're addressing the problem and you're feeling like you're attacking the other person, Mm -hmm. is that you want to stand beside each other and in essence, put your arm around the person, put the problem in front of you and we're a team, we're going to work on the problem together. Yes. Um, that's that's more of the mentality that, that this scripture passage is talking about. Yeah. And the scripture to- passage is not talking about marriage. 
So it's talking about keeping short accounts mm-hmm. with people. Yep. So you might be in a dorm, you might be have some roommates, mm-hmm. you might be in a house with lots of people. Or a coworker. Yeah. This is also speaking to relationships in general. So just in general, find ways that you can resolve things quickly so mm-hmm. that the anger and the resentment and the bitterness doesn't start to kick in and create that poison. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's the issue. Yeah. Is that when we let it build in us and yeah. Yeah. Okay, Jackie, it's already been 40 minutes. Really? Yeah, I know. That went really fast. It went really fast. So let me. Hope it went fast for you. (laughs) Yeah, totally. So we obviously have lots more myths we could do. Jackie, maybe you could come back and we could do some more another time. Sure, that'd be fun. Okay. And if you have myths that you want us to bust, feel free to email us Mm. bonus at northview.org or you could just email me ts. I now have initials ts at northview.org because they are short. So watch these too hard. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, let me pray for us as listeners or for us and our listeners. Lord, we're so thankful that um, we have your word. We're so thankful that we have our community that we can talk to. And we pray that you would help us to talk to you about everything honestly and then talk to people that we trust. Mm -hmm. Lord, we need you with all these things. Help us not to buy into the cultural myths or just the myths that are floating out there, but to really analyze them and find out, is this true? Lord, is this how you want us to act and respond? And so we give you all of the things that we talked about and we give you the lives of our listeners and say, please, would you work in them kindly and gently, please, Lord, and us too. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Amen.